0: Omnath 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 Arena Craft Podcast Omnath 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 Omnath, omnath Ajuna. Omnath 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 Omnath, omnath Kova Goblur CGB Omnath 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 No Not anymore, because on this,
1: the year of our Lord 2020, October 12th, Omnath is exterminated from MTG Arena. What? Yes. (laughs) Breaking news. Cut to evil CGB out in the field. Twitter is on fire again. The world is burning around us but probably the fires of joy as opposed to the fires of misery and destruction as Omnap has been banned in a almost surprise announcement from Standard, from Historic, from Brawl. Man, I the only regret I have was that I didn't predict it would get banned the day I saw it. I predicted it was broken. I should have just called it banned from Arena
0: within a month. I should have just called it. I wanted to, but I didn't. (laughs) Man, I seem to recall making some band predictions on the podcast during the first post-release episode, so pat myself on the back for that one. But uh, yeah, you know, Cheeto Fingers has rotated now twice out of standard in the the span of a couple of weeks. So uh, the people have spoken, they do not like the Four Color Elemental And he is, or it, I should say, they are gone. Gone, gone, gone. So that is not the only thing, however, which has been banned. So why don't we do just a little rundown of what happened? Bring the people up to date. Since we
1: are now the news network of the ArenaCraft podcast, we are first on the scene. We record, we drop, like, boom. Yes, Let's, let's get them up to date. Let's get them up to date.
0: So live from the studio, we have Ian Duke reporting to inform us that in standard, not only has Omnad Locus of Creation been banned, but also the luckiest of clovers, the two mana artifact, which has been the scourge of any sane player in any format on Arena. And finally, but wait, there's more, Escape to the Wilds a card which most people probably thought would never even see the light of play in Standard to begin with. Here we are, Escape <laughs> to the wilds band <laughs> in Standard. CGB is just shaking his head in disbelief. We, we will definitely have more to say <laughs> about that. <laughs> CGB, do you want to tell us what has, what, what has changed in Historic? Because there's actually been some interesting shifts in Historic as well. So a reminder to everybody, Historic has a weird suspended
1: policy. And when a card is suspended, it means you can't play it, but they might unsuspend it within six months. If if they do not, they ban it. So that time ran out on the suspension of Teferi, Time Raveler, and Wilderness Reclamation, and both have moved from suspended to banned probably not surprising anyone. Oddly, I held out hope that Teferi could live in Historic, but say not. Uh, Burning Tree Emissary was suspended, and its time ran out, and it was given a parole by the board of directors. And Burning Tree Emissary is unsuspended and back in the limelight, because what did a two-mana two-two ever do wrong? And then, of course, the the elemental of the day, Omnath, Locus of Creation is suspended in Historic, and its
0: clock begins now. Big shakeups for sure. Uh, I mean, okay, so let's just, let's start off with the big kahuna, the elemental themselves, Omnath, effectively unprinted from Arena as a whole. Yeah, yeah, with with a, we
1: didn't mention it, but in Brawl as well. Just, yes. There is no cued format now on arena where you can play this card correct within um within two and a half weeks of re, proper release three weeks
0: i mean this must be a record right for like, arena it's a record yeah for, for Arena, sure, it sure is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and okay so here's the thing i think if there was any card to get this treatment it was going to be omnath i mean it's the most obviously broken card we've seen in a long time like, I was thinking about this, CGB. What was the last creature that was printed that was as obviously broken as Omnath? Can you even think of one? Obviously? Absolutely not, because I'm like
1: I, I'm usually not that good at this, <laughs> and I looked at that and said that's no way (laughs) that's the most busted card we've ever played with you know the the,
0: this might be a stretch okay because it's not technically a creature but the last creature ish card that i looked at and was like oh this is a problem is smuggler's copter right that was a card which i looked at the preview and i and i read it twice and i was like whoa guys that's insane guys is this card really really good so that's the last one that i can think of yeah, the the banned creatures that we've had:
1: Agent of Treachery, Reflector Mage, Rogue Refiner, Felidar Guardian,
0: uh, Ferocidon, Ferocidon. Yeah, these yeah. are
1: all creatures that had interesting abilities that were too much in the context of other cards, almost universally. Maybe not Reflector Mage, but I don't know. That's a, that's kind of a tricky one. But yeah, really, it's nothing's just been stat banned. They've they printed a 3-mana 7-6, and it was just okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was all right. I mean,
1: <laughs> take it, or leave it. I, so, yeah, this is definitely New Grounds. Um, having played with Oko and Omnath in the last week or so in my standard as-intended showdown with Danny T. Law, where we played with a no-ban list set, I can say Oko is better than Omnath. Comfortably. But... That is the only excuse I can even come up with for the existence of Omnath is Oko just made every creature terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was like everything was an elf, elk. right? Yeah, Omnath was just an elk, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> elk Nath. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Omnath is gone. Just that change alone, what does that mean for uh let's let's talk about standard primarily. What does that mean for standard? I mean, it kind of means that you can look at
1: cards and evaluate them, not necessarily on what they do, the turn they come into the battlefield, because you might get multiple turns. <laughs> you might actually get to untap and do other stuff. So I I think it's great, honestly, for Standard. I think that the format that's coming up, my personal ban list is done. To Like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this was the thing I put out on Twitter. It's just like, I think we did it. I think we are in a place where we don't need to ban anything until the next sell this set mythic comes out in whatever the next set is, assuming that they have. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I I think it's there. I think this is the best standard we are going to see since Eldraine entered. And it took a lot of bands and a rotation to get there. But I, I think this is it because personally, I don't see anything broken and I see turn... I, I've already done it. I've played games where I miss land drops, but the game doesn't end mm, because it's not mm-hmm. that snowbally. i I've played games where I fell behind and came back. I know, your eyebrows are raising. Like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I didn't have the perfect cards on turns two, three, four, and five, but I was able to play a game, and I was able to play my way out of positions and maneuver into new positions, and I just... It's hard to remember what that was like because of Nyssa. Nyssa was a prime offender there that never even got banned, but Omnath was definitely the new Nyssa where it just comes down and you're too far behind to ever catch up.
0: So I think we're entering a good good place. What do you think? So the first thing that I thought with the banning of Omnath was that damage is back on the table. Mm. I feel like having a deck that is trying to deal your opponent You know, 25 to 30 damage is now, like, a reasonable thing to aspire to in Standard. Well, like, (laughs) we've, uh, isn't that ridiculous? It's like, we just don't (laughs) even assume that our opponent starts at 20 life anymore. I mean, that's just out the door. Uro and Omnath are gone, so they
1: don't just gain life by doing just general magic stuff.
0: So so what are our like remaining life-gaining cards in the format? I know you mentioned Maze Mind Tome last week. Um what mm-hmm. else can we kind of reasonably assume that people are going to be doing to gain life in this in this new standard format? There's probably not much, right? Not a lot mm-hmm. and yeah, the life total is more limited now.
1: The incidental life gain, like it's attached to, it's attached to the way it should be, man, to creatures. Yeah. It's, it's Baneslayer Angel, it's Dream Trawler, it's yeah, Elder Night Nighthawk Scavenger, you know. right? Yep, yep. Nighthawk Scavenger, a good example. And people have to work for it. Their creature has to live. They have to give, they have to attack with it, which is actually making a sacrifice as opposed to sitting
0: there doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, so so that was my first thought. Damage is back on the table. I assume that Embercleave is going to, you know, take the place of one of the strongest cards in the format now. But, you know, I'm not worried about it. Like, I feel like we collectively have figured out good ways to play around Embercleave. We have other broken cards, like uh, Brazen Borrower, for example, to help us combat the Cleave. So I do expect that Cleave decks are going to be at least in this like week one of the new meta, I think that a lot of people are going to be cleaving. And I expect for the, you know, any cleave deck to be like a reasonable thing to be doing moving forward in the format. Um, So let's just check in right there. Like, are are you with me on that one? Do you think that Embercleave is shot up again as one of the stronger cards in the format?
1: I think so. I I played an Embercleave deck today for the video that's coming out tomorrow right after the bans took place and it was the deck that Emma Handy and Autumn Burchett played in the Grand Finals tournament that took place yesterday and that deck was tuned for an Omnath field like the adventure role in the Gruul Adventures was really diminished to take advantage of Brushfire Elemental and Gem Razor which hits really hard and with an Embercleave hits extra super hard and that deck is solid the mana is clunk But it is a solid deck, and I like it. Um, Before we move into the format, I kind of want to talk about
0: the Grand Finals. Is that all right with you? Oh, yeah, of course. There there was a Grand Finals, which happened. And yeah, let's discuss it a little bit.
1: All right. So here's the situation. Because of world events, because of COVID, because of all the changes to organized play, Wizards turned the 2020 season that they had planned for competitive play into a partial season. And this is the grand finals of the partial season. In effect, it's the 2020 world championship. It's a 32 person field of various ways to qualify that. I can't even try to fathom how it happened. Uh, Basically some people did well in tournaments, got to play this thing. And so they held it with standard and historic, both formats that were shaken up by today's ban. And they held it over the weekend. And we did it. We broke Oko's record for metagame share in a major, a major event, which was 69%. Nice, easy to remember. Nice. Over. Omnath showed us a 72% 72. metagame share. Mm-hmm. And not to be outdone, Bonecrusher Giant actually had a 91% metagame share oh my in this gosh. tournament. 119 Bonecrusher Giants out of a possible 128. Oh, my gosh. But that's not the headliner. It's because Omnath is the big mythic from the new set. That's the narrative, right? So uh, there were mostly Omnath decks, obviously. And in Historic, it was like 34%. And the winner uh, was Austin Bercovich defeating Aaron Gertler, In the finals, two teammates who tested together running the same Omnath Adventures
0: list. I I figure you have something to say about your boy, Mr. Adventure. I'm proud. The prime adventurer himself. So here's the thing with Aaron is that every tournament weekend in which Adventure has been the strongest deck has been dominated by, by Mr. Gertler. He took down Dreamhack with the deck. He came in second with the deck at this tournament. I mean, he's basically like the grand architect of of the teamer adventure list. And so it didn't surprise me to see him going basically all the way with the deck in this tournament. So I'm really proud of him. He did a great job. And it also doesn't surprise me that the only person who could defeat him was his teammate playing the deck that they jointly created together. So And worth worth noting two
1: things. One, Burst- Austin is like, has been the number one elo player in the world the site that tracks that isn't very well known for a huge amount of time arguably the best player in the world right now yeah Aaron gertler has spent more probably more time at mythic number one with team adventures than any human being could be ever thought possible he had by far the most games of arena played in the tournament that's what like fourteen thousand
0: or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, like impressive mind-blowing
1: stuff. so You know, congrats to both of them. And I think that something that makes me happy about this announcement coming today is that Aaron got paid first. You know what I mean? He got he got the last he got all the dollars out of out of his adventures and all the work he put into it. Yes, he did. I'm happy about that. But but I've got a I've got I've got something that bugs me. Can I can I talk about something that bugs me? Lay it on us. Wizards of the coast. For those who don't know, if you found on Twitter, they, they lay out their URLs to their banned and restricted announcements exactly the same at all times. And somebody just typed in the future banned and restricted announcement for Monday just to see what would happen. And it came back with an access denied. And if it had said a 404 error or page does not exist, but it said access denied, meaning the page does exist. It was already ready to go on Saturday. On Saturday, Wizards did this tournament. The Grand Finals of 2020. They did this whole tournament with their best players in the world, with a dead format, and at least at least a few people at the company already knew that. And then after the tournament was over, they announced that there will be a banned and restricted list update the following day. This is probably the first time Wizards that I can remember has done a major event, and the deck you could like if you had downloaded it and copied the deck that that everybody was talking about the entire event.
0: The very next day, it would be banned. Yeah, I mean, that deck is gutted, dude. Mm-hmm. Basically, the three most powerful cards in that deck are on the ban list. And they knew it, and they did coverage, and they never even hinted at it the whole
1: time. Yeah. It was like, mum's the word on ban... Like they, The Wizards' official coverage won't say anything about bans. I guess that makes sense. But it's even weirder when it happens the next day. They They were playing a dead... The biggest tournament of this year played a two dead formats, dead formats walking. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone knew it. Yeah. The day after the tournament, the
0: results hardly even matter. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It speaks to how cynical magic players have become that we all kind of knew that, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we did. There were no surprises here. On Thursday, I opened this beautiful full
1: art Omnath that you see. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's... You know, it's the chase mythic of the set. It's got to be like 50 bucks. $18. $18? <laughs> $18. On Thursday. Oh, with no, no announcement made. With no announcement made. Everybody Everyone knew. Everyone knew. Yeah. Everyone knew. We could have had, this could have been the first tournament of a new standard showing off tons of cards from the set. And it wasn't because they weren't willing to pull the trigger sooner when
0: they knew they messed up. I just, I can't believe it. Man. Well, I know because they weren't. So here's the thing they just weren't willing to ban Omnath when they banned Oro. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just because they would have been too embarrassed to do it. I think they would have figured that it was too early in a set and set some kind of bad precedent. And I agree that it's a shame because Zendikar Rising does have a bunch of sweet cards, has a bunch of sweet DFCs. There's a lot of potentially cool stuff going on. There's a lot, you know, like for example, the Gruel deck showed off some of this Landfall stuff. So yeah, it, it really could have been a very fascinating tournament and frankly it could have had that kind of energy that the protos used to have like coming out a week <laughs> yeah. He's uh CGB's showing me the the face on the box as it were and it is Omnath. So they didn't want to do it, but it's a shame because I totally agree that it honestly would have made the tournament a lot more exciting. Yeah, it's
1: and and i'm going to be
0: honest i i did have it on in the background
1: and i tuned in at times and there was some really good exciting magic happening but it was there's just this effect man i don't know i don't know what where it went so wrong but when Omnath hits the battlefield and is followed by a fable passage i'm just done yeah i'm off it I don't have time for these triggers. I don't have time for the next 12 minutes of this turn. I've got somewhere to go. There's some laundry I can do. There's some dishes I can put away. I prefer that. On my, on my channel, it's a meme now. It's like, guys, do you want to look at this Omnath deck that did well in this tournament, or would you like an ad? And, and the chat always wants me to play an ad, ad please. instead. <laughs> ad. Yeah, it's like they just spam ad please. <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm not kidding. I can literally think of a lot of better things to do that don't even sound fun, than watch another Omnath turn. I just can't... Mm. They they managed to make a splashy mythic that's not fun. I, I don't understand.
0: Yeah, yeah, and to be honest, when I think about this weekend... For me maybe it's just cuz I'm an adventures player, but all of the most exciting turns of that tournament involved like complicated adventure sequencing, right? Like so I think that that is one of the re- the only reasons why we had interesting gameplay this weekend. I mean, of course, you know, I don't want to diss on the people who brought non-omnath decks cuz they were the heroes bringing the interesting gameplay really, but I think like the only saving grace of this weekend was just that, you know, the adventure decks are kind of hard and the sequencing's interesting and there are a lot of difficult things to do when you have all that mana and all of those adventure creatures. So I think that that was a small saving grace. But it just goes to show that, you know, when your truly busted thing is saved by your somewhat busted thing, it's just, it's not a good look. It's not a good look for the game. And I have to imagine, like... What percentage of people do you think on Arena have auto-conceded a game basically as soon as Omnath hit the table? It's got to be a record number. Yeah, this guy. This guy has. (laughs) You know, I got tired of super sweaty limited play because I've been doing a lot of that lately. So I just threw together, you know, this one of these like mono-brown artifact decks in Historic because... It sounds fun. Everyone else thinks it's fun. I think it's fun. I threw one together and I and I went into the play queue and I had some fun. And every time an Omnath deck came along and they resolved the Omnath, I just looked at my cards and I was like let's just move on to the next game. Cuz frankly, I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. Yeah. And it's been
1: weird. I've I've spent the last few weeks with a condition I've never had before. Not even in like really bad metas, not in Oko meta, not in Field of the Dead, not in Cat Oven, where it was like, I would think about playing a game of magic and I'd think about a deck and I'd make a deck and I'd go to play and I'd almost have this moment of where I just freeze and it's like, I'm just going to play against Omnath and adventures, you know? And I just don't want to do that. And I, 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 would, I would, there were times I'd just walk away from the computer without even playing after making a deck because I just didn't want to play because I was afraid that was going to be my game. And I just didn't want to do it. And it was weird because I've never had that before. That's never been a problem. But it was here. Something about this card and the pieces around it, it just, it, it completely broke the fun equation. Like there wasn't counterplay really. There wasn't. just it was just a collapse i think i think it was just an epic mistake too much it was too much i i am curious about this because you know where i've been on this i've been talking about clover for a while have you come around to the idea that clover needed to be banned
0: okay so i was kind of waiting for the clover talk because for me this is the most interesting banning now i will say that In the last couple of weeks, I've been messing around with some Zendikar-focused lists. I've been playing, like, a Boros party. Uh, You know, I'm pretty stoked about the party mechanic. It's been really fun and limited. And I was just like, I don't think it's good enough for standard, but let's try it out. So I played some Boros party. I played some Azorius party. Azorius party would be interesting if the mana weren't just absolutely heinous. Um, So you basically can't play that at the moment. And I kept getting trounced by these adventure lists. And it was definitely a moment of thinking yeah, like, if you want to play any kind of an aggro deck in this format and you don't want to just continually get trounced by, like, you know, Lucky Clover into double Bone Crusher into double Brazen Borrower, then I think it is time for the Clover to go. So I've definitely been coming around to that notion. I think one of the reasons I was resistant to it is that, and I do maintain that, the adventure list is a very high variance and high skill list. And I think the supposition that it's just always going to be the best deck in the format is a little faulty. Um, It's not that, okay... So one of the best reasons to ban the Clover, I think, is just that it's very hard to deal with, and it's very hard to deal with profitably. And I think that that was the the similar problem with Fires of Invention and Wilderness Reclamation. These were other, you know, non-creature permanents that had a game-warping effect. And the problem with any of these things was that it was really hard to feel like you got your money's worth by answering them. Like, in the case of Fires, someone would already get their free 4 mana out of, out of the Fires. And so if next turn you untap, or even if you left up Interaction on the turn it resolves, you couldn't actually stop your opponent from getting value out of it. And so it's basically the same with the Clover. I think one of the only ways to kind of semi-profitably interact with Clover in Standard at the moment is to go something like Shambler into Gem Razor. But even then, you 2 two-for-one yourself. So you do get a massive kind of damage tempo advantage by doing that, but you're still essentially down a card in that exchange. And so for me, that was the biggest problem with the Clover. Because I think that even though the deck is very powerful, I don't think that it had that kind of feeling of like, oh, my opponent resolved a Clover, this is all over. Um, In the same way that like the Omnath thing happen for example and i'm here to tell you i have lost plenty of matches playing clover against relatively fair decks and there's a lot of petering out that can happen there's mana problems um there's you know sometimes you're just all beanstalk giants and and no interaction and you just get run over so i don't know i i I think just from an overall power level perspective I I don't necessarily know that banning the Clover was like a foregone conclusion. It doesn't seem like such an obvious choice, like it did for me with Fires, like it did for me with Wilderness Wreck. Clearly just two powerful cards. But I do think that, again, from the fun perspective and from the interacting perspective and from how it feels to face off against Clover after Clover after Clover, I definitely think that overall it just makes sense that it got banned. So I've come around, basically. Tinfoil hat financial perspective. The adventure deck,
1: it's going to be a competitive deck for a very long time. It already has been. A shrinking card pool only seems to make it better. You remember what 2021 standard was like. Who's got <laughs> yes, the clover? Which, who has more clovers, right? And there's no room in it for basically anything. It's Adventures, Clover, Escape to the Wilds, and like two or three flex spots. And, you know, you know that as well as anyone and moving stuff around in your wishboard. It's not going to get worse, really. I can't even imagine what they would print to make it worse. So... It's Can't just you? going to be...
0: <laughs> Can't you, CGB? I, it's on me. I, I, okay, okay. They already did it, my friend. <laughs> that's the thing, though. I mean, they'll just have to ban it again.
1: Yeah. Uh, but but that's that's it, right? The, the deck probably isn't going to change for yeah. at least another year until rotation, and it's probably going to be a, this dominant force until then because it's just a pure card advantage deck. And I just think... People were already tired of it, and it would only get worse. So I still think it's the right move.
0: I'm still really into it. I am like, holy crap, Escape to the Wilds? Let's talk about that. So how are you... Okay, because this was my thought. If you get rid of Clover and if you get rid of Omnath, are we still scared of Escape to the Wilds? So that's what I'd love to hear you talk about.
1: I didn't think so. So in... Like, I really don't... I had trouble picturing a world where it's a problem without the Clover and the Omnath because everything that I think of going wrong is not usually the escape. I've, I've had plenty of opponents. It's a five mana play at sorcery speed. It can be countered and it's huge negative tempo. You can build a battlefield and just smash them. I've had plenty of players escape to the wilds, like play a tap land, say go. And then I attack them for 20 something like, so to me, that's never been game over. It was when Omnath made free mana, but that's not going to happen anymore. So when I look at Escape to the Wilds, the only theory that my brain is itching me with is that they didn't want to ban Cobra and they think there's something still messed up here with Cobra, um, and it, at least that there's a risk, because that's the card that makes you go, oh, that's crazy, you get to reveal five more cards, hit another land drop, Fable Passage, make a lot of mana with Cobra, and then you just have this explosion, and you can get way ahead. That's all I've got, because otherwise it seems like a, a very unexpected and uncharacteristic double tap to ramp strategies of just pop pop. Okay, it's
0: definitely dead, we can move on now. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean Escape to the Wild saw basically no play outside of Adventure List and standard period. I, there were like a couple of random like maybe five color fires lists that ran a couple of them and it's popped up in some very other edge cases and some other random decks that were always like tier 3 or something like that. And this was pre-Omnath. 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 Correct. Clear. So so outside of Adventure the card saw no play. I mean like get that out of my deck. Like you could not convince a gruel Mage to put that card in their deck. So yeah, it does seem like an odd choice, and I'm I'm fully with you on the whole Cobra thing because I agree. Those two co- that that's the only card that makes me still worried about it. I don't know. It seems a little heavy handed to me. It seems like that's a card I would have been happy to leave in the format and see if it could still do something. I mean, honestly, the fact that it hasn't seen that much play out of these archetypes also makes me think we're, we're not going to miss it that much. So it's kind of. Yep. That's fine. I'm definitely down for wizards being aggressive on bands. Like I'll go on yeah. the record by saying you're almost never going to catch me complaining about more bands. So you know, let's do it, man. Take the sledgehammer, chisel this format down. Let's let's go. You know, let's do something different.
1: Yeah, I like the way that you put that. It's kind of a low risk band because it wasn't playing anywhere that was fun, and fair, and <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 still uncharacteristic. It's interesting. Yeah, I always laughed at people who said ban escape and Genesis Ultimatum to fix Omnath. I just I was like that. It's not how it works. But then escape gets banned. It's like well, maybe I don't know how it works. I don't know nothing anymore. But Fable Passage dodges the ban hammer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a fabled Passage lives another day. And uh, another card which some people, I don't particularly know why, uh, complain about not getting banned is Ruin Crab. So we still, oh, have, yeah. <laughs> we still have Ruin Crab at large in the format. It's a very serious thing. Don't, don't Some of you
1: are laughing. There are people. Uh, that and Scoot Swarm are the <laughs> two that Swarm. just won't, people won't drop that.
0: The old Scoot Swarm-Ember Cleave combo is coming for you, my friends. <laughs> Scoot Cleave. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, what do you think it is? Like, I don't think we have to
1: spend a lot of time on this, but, I mean, there's just the mental aspect of getting milled, right? That's why people are scared of the crab. Yeah. I I was telling people today, you know, like, if you play 80 cards, they even give you a free bonus companion for that right now if if you
0: don't like getting milled. It's... It's okay. (laughs) I think that you put it best when you said, I would rather face an opponent trying to deal me 60 damage than an opponent trying to deal me 20 damage. And (laughs) that's really it. I mean, okay. No one likes getting milled. Neither do I. Okay, like I've been playing a lot of limited and people fear the crab in limited. And you know what happens often in limited is that your opponent gets a crab down and then a couple of turns later... You kill them. This is how a lot of these stories end. Resolve the crab a couple of turns later. I have nothing else going on, and I die. The end. So just remember that, people. Just remember when your opponent resolves an 0-3 against you, just kill him. I I will say this. It's kind of exciting to have a world where Mill is
1: competitive-ish. Like... It is. I, I just did a show, or I just did two episodes on my YouTube called Milling to Mythic, where for the first time ever, I milled my opponents uh, through Diamond into Mythic. And, like, that's kind of cool, because I come from a time where mill probably wasn't the best thing to be doing, but it was the thing I wanted to do back when I was a young CGB. But uh, it's not terrible right now, which is unique, because mill does have a lot of fans, we, we also did this poll and I'm not kidding 151 votes to 150 in favor of mill being gas as opposed to ass. like an, like almost a perfect split almost a perfect split. So it's a polarizing mechanic but it's it's not a bad thing that it's all right. I, I would say. And right now there are a few different ways you can try to mill your opponent to death with Rune Crab. Or you can do Mill You Kill You, as I call it, where we mill them a bit, but we're also attacking with Vantress Gargoyle and Big Thieves Guild Enforcers. And if our strategy runs out, then we still have a other clock on the opponent where we might just kill them by playing our stuff. So I think that Mill is fine. And some people are now saying it will take over the format. Um, Mill's best matchup <laughs> was Adventures and Omnath. That those decks are gone. Mill's worst matchup is Ember Cleave. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I, I promise you if Mill becomes a dominant a dominant force in the format, Embercleave's like the shares are just gonna be through the roof, man. Yeah, I, I don't like the crab versus Ember Cleave head to head. Are you so? Are you interested in moving past like the
1: the nuts and bolts of the announcement into future meta? Do you have predictions? Do you want? Do you have some decks you are looking at or want to talk about?
0: Yeah, le- I definitely wanted to get to that. So, okay, first things first. Like I said before, I think aggro is back on the map. I think aggro decks, in my opinion, are some of the biggest winners from this announcement because a of all they got farmed by the clover, and b of all they got farmed by Omnath. So I predict Gruel Aggro to be a very, very solid contender in the format. I think people are going to be trying Mono Red, and I think Mono Red is a lot more plausible now than it was last week. I'm sure that Sandy Dog has already played about (laughs)
1: 1,500
0: matches by the time you hear this with Mono Red again. He had a midlife crisis jaunt with Omnath, (laughs) and he's already put Omnath back in the tank And he's just full ball with his, I don't know, Cog and Intimidators or whatever it is that he's doing, right? Honey, I'm home. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I want you back. Yeah, so I think Mono Red's going to be at least defensible. Mono Green, obviously, is just going to happily keep smashing along.
1: Do you think Gem Razor is still where it's at? Do you think Questing Beast, any of these detail stuff, any thoughts?
0: My prediction is that Questing Beast won't see a big uptick. I think that people have just realized that it's not as good of a card as they thought it was. <laughs> surprise, surprise. My, oh, man. This isn't a visual podcast, but my face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, not be good?
0: No, it's a good card, but you're right. Uh, planeswalkers aren't the current enemy. Five fives for three. That's that's where green should be. I don't think that anything has changed about that. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I think that these green decks are just happy to be lean, mean, Low to the ground. I think they're happy to just try to get these massive Primal Might turns. And I I think that that's what they're going to be focusing on. So, no, I don't predict an uptick. I think that they're going to stay more or less the same. They might actually start trying to optimize for like a Rogues matchup, for example. You know, Rogues is definitely sticking around. I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, And so, I think that we might even see a transition especially from decks like green towards like maybe a little bit more interaction maybe some cheaper threats maybe some ways to play at instant speed i don't quite know exactly what but you know like like do you want to be trying to resolve questing beasts against a rogues deck because i don't yeah that's that's kind of what i'm thinking there i don't know do you have any additional thoughts we we went to this last
1: time we did a ban and i think it's good to revisit it is spot removal good now and the reason I bring it up is I'm having trouble thinking of something that punishes spot removal. And it's been a long time since we just jammed a deck full of Heartless Act, Eliminate, Murderous Rider, like, and weren't punished for it. You know what I mean? So I think we're there because the only thing I can think of that takes advantage of you would be a control deck that wins with Teferi's... Tutelage, like creatures, are now an important part of the format. They're they're almost crucial. Like the battlefields matter. The planeswalkers aren't that good. The enchantments don't typically win the games by themselves. Maybe Felidar Retreat deserves a look, but for the most part, that's not true. Teferi's tutelage being the other one. It just seems like it seems like we're back in a place where we're playing good old fashioned magic. So if spot removal is good, especially instant speed spot removal, one you're gonna want instant speed spot removal because rogues is kind of a fiend at playing at instant speed and then protecting their threats and two rogues gets to play a lot of instant speed spot removal and it's really good being able to play a flash game whenever magic is fair if you're the person who has the option of either be proactive or reactive on your opponent's turn you can leverage that into great board positions constantly and That's what I keep seeing from rogues. It's what I saw today. It's what I saw leading up to it in non-omnath matchups, where the rogue deck could just always be progressing a good game plan one way or another. And Every card you played, you were either like, okay, I guess this dies now, but at least I'm not being attacked yet. Um, it was very hard to deal with if your cards were sorcery, speed, or expensive. So, I think we're back in a place where you have to look at cheap removal spells. You have to look at flash threats. You have to look at just lean efficiency. I still think it's risky to play things like Elder Gargaroth and Baneslayer Angel in that world, but I'm excited. And I would say on the green thing, it really makes me want to optimize for the great hinge oh, like games, okay. yeah. games that go a bit longer, eke out that value from a powerful permanent. That's not easily interacted with. Oh, Ooh, I think that's good stuff. Juicy.
0: Yeah, I definitely think, like, I think green builds, you definitely still want to be running four Stonecoil Serpents. I have always liked Wildborn Preserver in these lists, and I think that Wildborn Preserver is still great. Um, I think having plenty of of one and two mana plays so that you can drop a Henge and then drop another, you know, one or two drop immediately, um, that, that all sounds really good to me. So I'm totally with you. And again, I mean... It's one of the ways that these green decks keep up. Like like which would you rather resolve against the Rogue's deck, the Great Henge or Vivian? I know which side of the equation I want to be on and it's the Great Henge. So uh, I am I'm totally with you there.
1: Any other decks or ideas on this format? I'm I'm curious.
0: Yeah, okay. So I'm curious about how these Rakdosy Grixis decks are going to be moving forward, I predict they're probably gonna still be pretty good. They were definitely optimized for an Omnath meta, but I think that there's a lot there to explore, and there's just frankly a lot of powerful cards in those archetypes. When you and I were reading down these pages and pages of random different graveyardy builds, and I don't know, they were looking pretty good. And especially if Rogues stays a big part of the meta, then I think cards like Croak's are gonna be really good. I don't know. That's the biggest wild card for me, is how decks in the in the Grixis, I don't know whether it's a wedge or, or whatever it is, decks in that part of the, part of the color pie are going to do. Like That's what I'm the most curious about at the moment. I think that deck got even better, because while it was optimized
1: to battle Omnath, it never really wanted to. Those cards are just a bottomless well of value, and you're playing discard effects. It's It's not a happy position. What that deck loved was grinding out rogues. You just... Eat your graveyard, crocs of them. You kill all their stuff. Here's, here's, here's a hot card. All right, it's a bit of a throwback. Nobody's gonna see it coming, man. They've never. Nobody knows how this card works. So duress. All right, duress. Duress has had a tough couple of months because pri- for for two reasons. One, all the power is wrapped up in these creature cards like an Omnath, and two, adventures. You can't take an adventure creature, and most of the spells in these decks are also creatures. It wasn't that hard to have a deck that was 90-some percent creatures because of adventure spells. Um, And now, not only are people going to be playing actual spells, like spot removal and things like that, for the first time ever, Duress can hit your
0: mana base. Just hit those spell lands! Get them! And here's the thing. If nothing else, it just gives you something to hit. So the worst feeling in Magic is playing Duress and not hitting anything. So I think just being able to have a higher likelihood of it hitting something is enough, right? Like going one Mm -hmm. for one is fine. It's not great, but it's fine. And yeah, getting to tag your opponent's Shatter Skull Smashing at a key turn, or let's say that your control opponent's trying to set up for a Seagate Restoration or something like that, being able to duress them is pretty relevant. If So if we are seeing a lot of creature decks in the format, then I expect we might start to see some more like Wrath decks in the format. And if that's the case, then being able to duress those away is going to be fairly important. Color me interested. This is my prediction, is that people are going to iterate to death on these decks. I think that we're going to see like just build after build after build after build. And I think... We're going to settle on some kind of like de facto best Rakdos deck in the format and how well it competes with some of these other decks. I don't know. But I will say that Oro was rough for aggro decks to deal with and Kroxa, still pretty rough. It's a big 6-6 and it just keeps coming back. And I think the combination of Timuric Calls the Dead and Kroxa could be fairly hard for aggro decks to deal with. I'm going to resolve a card which spits out two zombies for three mana. I'm gonna keep resolving a free six-six from my graveyard. Timur calls the dead might I even gain you some life. So I mean, that sounds pretty tough. It's pretty tough to deal with. Okay, here's my question for you, CGB. What is Timur gonna look like? Timur, I'm going to
1: break. It. I'm, I'm going to break it to you. I'm gonna break it to you. This might be hard for a lot of people to understand. This is true though. I, I've seen it all, man. There was a time when Teamer didn't have to be a deck. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, ever since, like, basically since Hydroid Crisis <laughs> showed up, <laughs> there have been Teamer this and Teamer that. It feels like some kind of Teamer has been around for so long now. Teamer still has access to good cards. I mean, I thought about just take the Adventure deck, take out the Clovers, and take out the um escape to the wilds and put in terror of the peaks and genesis ultimatum but man is that deck a lot more fair it really is right i mean yeah that man lucky clover i think what a backbone of a deck just card that completely made so many things dominant so what does teamer look like when i think about the when I think about the color combination, I don't see a compelling reason to put those colors together. Team are always struggled with removing larger things. Uh, like Bone Crusher Giant kind of had to be their removal and their all purpose removal. And I think that things are going to be too big for that. Now, Bone Crusher Giant, we talked about 91% <laughs> use in standard. People. People are going to adapt to that, though. You know, they're not going to, they're going to look at their options for two drops, and they're going to say dies to Bonecrusher Giant, and unless it gets them something the turn they play it, I mean, people are going to be ready for that, and already, like, if Soaring Thought Thief is the most played two-drop, Bonecrusher just kind of watches it fly by.
0: Doesn't look yeah, so it's good. not
1: good. Not good. So, I think that you're not going to be able to play a deck like Teemer where you're leaning on a Bonecrusher Giant as your only removal. I think you're going to need real removal. And then you're going to need a game plan that goes toe-to-toe with the grind. I mean, we're talking about the grind of the Great Henge, and we're talking about grind of Croxa, and we're talking about the grind of Into the Story from the Rogues deck. And then on the other hand, you have to be able to remove the creature with the Embercleave on it or the Winota. So... I just don't see Teamer as a combination pulling it off. I really don't. I don't think that's a combination anymore.
0: Let me ask you this then. Do you have a prediction for what the preeminent Lotus Cobra deck in the format is going to be?
1: I don't know if there will be one.
0: (laughs) Maybe there will. No, isn't that good? I mean, I'd be happy for Cobra to be a bit player. I think that's the perfect place for it to be in the format.
1: Yeah, I'll say I'm going to say Mutate.
0: I yeah, guess. Yeah, okay.
1: If you're going to ramp into ultimatum, I think you need to do it proactively because I don't think this format is going to give you room to cultivate cultivate ultimatum or Ugin, although mm-hmm. that's probably a deck. Mm-hmm. There's some probably some Ugin deck, but I don't think you're just going to get the time. So I think doing it with creatures like Migratory Greathorn and a Mutate Shell is probably a better way of going about it than just ramp without board presence, which... You know, we haven't had this in a minute, ramp without board presence, (laughs) or like Beanstalk Giant Clover just ramping you into untapped land so you can also Bonecrusher, Brazen Borrower, interact. Like, like ramp without a cost. That's what we're talking about here. And it's real now. Ramping, just taking turn three to play Cultivate and nothing else, you're going to get punched in the face by some beasty creatures and you're not going to gain the life back just for existing it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's the way magic used to be and i think that people should be happy about that
0: agreed i don't know you've got my wheels turning about some kind of spicy like cobra mutate felidar retreat deck something like this where you're you know you're trying to go off with your ultimatum is now just your starx right or you're maybe getting some extra value out of your um the great horn yeah maybe there's something there maybe there's something there but agreed it's see decks like that should sound a bit meme they should be a bit meme they shouldn't be the best thing in the format so that's exciting and if
1: spot removal is good again it's another blow against those decks it's a very real cost
0: yes yeah that's a good point very good point So, yeah, I'm with you, CGB. I am more optimistic about this standard matter than I have been in a very long time. Like, a very, very, very long time. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. The only other card I'm curious about right now... uh, Two two I'm curious about. Winota? What do we think? Did Winota get better, or did it kind of just stay where it was? Winota's better because Omnath was such
1: a predator that it can't hurt. Also, Adventures was a real pain. Um, Just being able to free roll cards like Brazen Borrower and then later on Giant Killer was a real pain to Winota. So Winota's better. And I've been messing around with Theorycraft on Winota a bit, and this is where I'm going to go with the card. We got used to Winota being busted, like getting Agent of Treachery. And then when that ended we started grabbing we've looked for the next big creatures like kenrith and we, we're down to like Bassery's basri's lieutenant you know the creatures are getting smaller the more i i've been playing with winota the more i'm just like just make winota the top end of the deck and just have it if it hits anything you're in a better and better position so if if your biggest humans are seasoned hollow blade and Alpine Houndmaster, if you want to play the dog version. You know, that's okay. As long as it hits something, it's an explosion of damage. So I, I've i been getting lower and lower on the curve with Winota and being less concerned about the big explosive cards because they just make your hand clunky and slow so often. So that's what I would do with Winota. I would experiment with not being worried about the big hits and just try to go for a, a good aggro deck with Winota that adds a mysterious amount of damage to your next combat phase like i imagine the card was probably intended to do when they made it
0: yeah to the fairway which sounds you know that sounds fine i'm in for it okay the other card i'm curious about is yorian i'm thinking some kind of like uh some kind of yorian Maze Mind tome value pile maybe playing acquisitions expert stuff like that do you think that a deck like that could be interesting in the format
1: I'm not sure about acquisitions expert, although it's worth looking into. It was too low impact in an Omnath world because the value is easily recouped, like almost too easily, and they didn't have an overwhelming amount of that effect, and they just top-decked ultimatum anyway. Uh, So in a world without that, maybe expert deserves another look, maybe a little nice body and incidental card advantage is okay. For me... I'm more interested in just putting control back on the menu with Lucky Clover, the scourge, the scourge of Clover out of the way. You know, can we, can we play a deck with 12 counter spells? There's no Teferi Time Raveler and there's no Lucky Clover. I feel like there's no more excuses for me to make as a control mage. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's, it's time. It's time to, not let things resolve. Wrath boards, play Dream Trawlers, and maybe
0: win that way. Or maybe make Sharks. I don't know. But um, that's what I'm thinking about. Here's a question I have. Is our counter spell Suite robust enough for a true control deck?
1: It's gross. It's not great. Um, <laughs> neutralize <laughs> is basically cancel. Because you never want to cycle it anymore. But you do have Negate and Essence Scatter to build around. And you can start there. Mystical Dispute was doing everything it could to hold this format together when Rogues and Omnath were the most played decks, and now I don't know if you main deck Mystical Dispute. I don't think you have to. So the counter suite, like you put it, might not be great, but maybe we have to look at a card like Whirlwind Denial to catch people in weird spots, like when they sacrifice their Fabled Passage or pile up some Landfall Triggers. I don't know. But it's definitely... If if we can't control things now, like who, th- those of us who kept the fires burning for control for the last, since the release of Lucky Clover, like we we got to get to work. It, this is the time. Do the thing. Let's go. Now is the time. Be the change. Love it. Oh, mill though. Mill is scary. Mill is, I, I guess I need the 200 card control
0: pile. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Just play Yari and control. You're good to go. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up our little standard roundup here?
1: My final thoughts would be that this, I'm glad they did it. It was so frustrating a few weeks ago when they felt they had to wait for sales or maybe honestly for data, but that just seemed so weird because I think anybody who played with Omnath already knew that this was insane. And I feel bad for the competitors in the tournament. I mean, they got paid, so I don't feel too badly for them, but I would have liked their tournament to be more meaningful because I would really like a big magic tournament to get invested in and get excited about. And knowing that Omnath was just the overlord and was going to get banned really ruined that for me as a viewer so that's a feels bad and i hope that they learned from this to just tear off the dang band-aid so that we can be excited about magic because i do think it hurts everything about the game in the long run to make it a less exciting and fun product sounds crazy i know but that's where i'm at and after airing those grievances uh thank you for banning Omnath and Lucky Clover. And I guess thank you for Escape to the Wilds, to be sure, because I think I'm gonna have a lot of fun playing Magic this week.
0: Indeed, and you know, Gruul's back on the menu in Historic too, so let's see if we can get some more Turn 3 Embercleaves going on there as well. So on the way out here, I just wanted to mention a final thing which has kind of been bugging me. And um, just on the, on the topic of this big tournament, Crokey's made a tweet, and I'm sure that he wasn't the only person feeling this way, but he basically said something to the effect that intentional draws, especially in high-stakes tournaments, really hurt the integrity of competitive magic and make people uninvested in watching. And I definitely feel that. And so what he was referring to was that there was a match in pre-top-8 portion of the tournament where we had two Hall of Famers, Raf Levy and Gabriel Nassif, playing a match. And basically, it devolved into this, like, horsing around emote fest. And it was kind of a nonsense match, because what we ended up finding out was that they were doing an intentional draw. Can I frame this? I watched this. Can I frame this a little? Yeah, lay it on us. So we're watching
1: two Hall of Famers battling each other for a spot in the top eight. At least that's what everybody in chat believes. And during the, like, as the match is like going to time, this was not a short match. Gab's, Gabriel Nassif had his clock under a minute at the end of this thing. And the whole time we thought these stakes mattered. Like the chat, the casters, everybody, to my knowledge, believed this was a real match for top eight. And it was tense and in many ways exciting. Like you could Feel it. And it was tilting because, like, even the casters are like, Why is Gabriel Nassif emoting, like, taking time to emote in this spot? What is this play? What is going on? They're just freaking out, and people are like, Well, he's a showman, you know, he's he's doing it for the crowd. And it's like 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 people were getting anxious for him. So it was an experience, an emotionally kind of captivating, exciting experience. And I'm not kidding, they played the game to the conclusion. The, like, Raph's head exploded. Like, the game was over. Nassif gets a spot in top eight. Congratulations. Winner, Gabrielle Nassif. They rolled the slide. And then you hear the announcer say, oh, we just found out that kind of the reason it went this way is that the players prior to that game decided to draw. What? Like, the chat saw the game end. We all stayed. We were invested in this game. So what they did is they waited to see the results around them. Like they, they literally ran, they basically ran their clocks long, played the match long to see the results and then agreed to draw, I think before the final game, although that's still not necessarily clear. And that was both to the chat and like to anybody who watched it, that was just like, oh, it's gross. It's still gross. I am grossed out talking about it. So that's the fill in for anybody who didn't watch it live, and why I think this particular instance kind of revel- revved
0: people up again. Yeah, I just think it's an embarrassment to the game, having two competitors make a pre-game agreement to basically throw a match. It just it shouldn't be a thing. It shouldn't be possible, especially not in a high-level Magic tournament. I think you know if you have some kind of regional thing going on, or you know a GP or whatever, that's one thing, right? But I think especially, okay, here's the thing. You can't like, the, the arena rules do not allow for a draw. I think the only way you get a draw is maybe if you're in like game three and you get some like game breaking state on arena, right? Where it has to be a draw. Yeah, or somehow you both take lethal damage at an identical time. That's it, you know, or some kind of weird combo. I don't know, like there are, there are edge cases, right? But other than that, Arena is literally not set up to draw. Someone's clock runs out, they lose, that's it. Or someone wins two games, that's it. So it just blows my mind that this is still a feature of these tournaments. And, you know, there's a lot of paper boomers being like, you don't understand, don't blame the players, yada yada. And I'm with them. Don't blame the players. I don't blame the players. They're just working within a system. They are doing what has worked for them to get results since time immemorial. That's fine. What I want is for the incentives for this kind of game-breaking stuff to be taken away. I just don't understand what rationalization there is for us to still have this in our game with these arena tournaments. Does it at all make sense to you, CGB? No. No, it's it's a leftover Paper Magic, competitive
1: Paper Magic, everything about it was designed with kind of players and tournament halls, like lots of people in mind, like large groups of people playing playing games for long periods of time. And Magic as an eSport and a spectator sport was always, it, it still is in many ways, a very secondary thing that they haven't fully come around to. And as a spectator sport, intentional draws are just in my opinion have no place in the game especially especially in a small tournament especially in a small field you know what i mean um a very very large field where a lot of games take place off camera okay i i get it i don't love it but like in the old pro tour system yeah totally it could happen. But in a very, very small field of 32 players where the people playing in the top 8 are featured, it just doesn't why, why should this ever be a thing? And I, I the Mythic Invitational was a single limb tournament and did not feature draws. Draws are in many ways a part of the Swiss system which Wizards is still trying to figure out a way around. It's in the DNA of competitive magic at this point. But Swiss-style tournaments are honestly also quite old-fashioned. The the idea of committing to a 8 to 10-round event... And again, then do pairings to cut, do tiebreakers to cut to some arbitrary number of top eight, where whoever's ninth, you know, did the same just as well as the person who got eighth, but this tiebreaker, that tiebreaker, and the fact that they have to draw to even get to those spots. It's its all part of the Swiss thing, and maybe there's a better way. Wizards has experimented with double elimination. Uh, Hooglandia Open recently did a double elimination format. I hope there's a better way, because, yeah. This was frustrating, at, at the very least frustrating. And I know the like when, when he puts stuff out there, it, it ignites people one way or the other. But this is something that I feel like the community should get behind, because the only people who I think lobby that draws are a good idea are the people who have taken them. <laughs> because there is no way it's good for spectators and there is no way it makes sense to the casual fan in any way, I don't think. And I've, as a competitive player, I have taken draws and nobody was watching me do it. And I think that's a big part of why it just felt like, okay, I got here. We earned this position where our tiebreakers are better. We can take this draw. We'll go battle in top eight, you know? And that was, there was nothing wrong with that, but if you want to mean more to more people, you have to take into account what the, what the things you incentivize, how they Im- influence viewers. And this is something that I think has to go if you want your game to be spectated, if you want it to be watched. You should also probably try banning cards that are going to ruin the format ahead of time. But I, both would be welcome changes, I
0: think, to Magic as a spectator sport. I agree. I mean, just imagine, you know, you're watching a baseball match and it's the 11th inning and it's like season's finals and, you know, some of the last games in the in the season. You've been following these people all season, right? And it's like the 11th inning and all of a sudden all the players just put their stuff down and walk off the field. You know, it's like, how does that feel? You've got your your, you know, ballpark dog in one hand, You've got your little flag in the other hand. You've been cheering the whole match. And all of a sudden, the players all just walk off. They pat each other on the back. They're like, good job. We we both made it through. Well done. It's like, I'd flip the freaking table, man. I'm not in for that. Like, that's not what I sign up for as a viewer. I want competition. The whole point of the game is competition. And to have that undermined in, you know, preventable ways, I just think is... Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, it shouldn't be sanctioned below board, but it shouldn't be sanctioned above board either. I mean, I think you should it should be a disqualifiable offense to do that. You're throwing the match. And so anyway, that's that's my opinion on it. I can't comment as to the intricacies of all of the reasons this happens and maybe some of the reasons it needs to happen. But like if you're not smart enough to come up with a tournament structure that doesn't incentivize this and doesn't allow for it, I just I don't know what you're doing with your time to be honest. Figure it out. You've designed one of the most intricate games of all time. You run a small world economy. Figure out a tournament structure in which you don't have to have intentional draws. The end. The end. So, thank you for joining us for another edition. Of the ArenaCraft podcast, focused exclusively on Magic the Gathering, focused no more on Omnath the Terrible You can find us on social media, ArenaCraft Podcast. We are on Twitch, not streaming as much these days, but maybe more now that I feel motivated to play Constructed again. We're on all of your favorite podcast platforms, arenacraftpod at gmail.com, if you want to send us some of your thoughts. You can find Covert Go Blue youtube covert go blue he has an amazing channel there you can also watch him monday through thursday 4 p.m eastern time streaming and uh yeah i think that's going to wrap it up for us this week cgb i'm excited next week to dive into more of what's fresh in the arena arjuna one question
1: nah bruh.